Just want to give a little bit of a background of my life. A lot of you have heard um, some of my story before. Some of you are new to church, and so you wouldn't. Um, but I grew up, I started going to church when I was about 13, uh, after an Arancho camp. Uh, Arancho, cheers for Arancho. Uh, so that was a long time ago. Uh, I went to the Arancho camps, and that was great. Keep going to them. And then uh, the thing that got me to church, though, was that I found um, a girl at college who I really liked. And she was a pastor's daughter. So, hey, I've heard about this church thing before. Let's give this a crack. And uh, so, yeah, went along to a church, and it was a Baptist church, and I, I lived my teenage years there. It was, it was awesome. Uh, and in the end, um, through various circumstances, ended up running the church for a little while. Um, and one of the things that I, I struggled with, and I, 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 I've talked with Lawrence about this before, and, and I'm sure that most people who lead churches, who lead Christian organizations, um, they struggle with this question of how do we do this thing called church? And, and quite often that's not a, a subject that, or a thought that comes into people who are outside of leadership. It may do for you, which is great. Uh, but for me, when I'm at work, there are questions that I struggle with at work that my CEO doesn't struggle with. And there are questions that my CEO has around how our company is going to work and how our business is going to run that I don't struggle with. And so I, I understand that for a lot of us, there are questions that we have in church uh, about our faith, about our journeys, about what this Christian life looks like. There are various questions that some of us struggle with and some of us don't. And for me, one of the questions that's been in my mind for years has been, how do we do this thing called church? What is it supposed to look like? Um, how is it structured? What does church leadership look like? All this sort of stuff. Um, and, and for a lot of people, it's just a case of, hey, let's just find a church that feels good. Um, for me, I know when I was growing up, um, I always thought the only thing that really would matter to me when I came to church was how good the music was. That was it. The rest, uh, as long as the music was good, I'll be fine. Changed a lot since then. Hopefully, you know, everyone has since their teenage days. But, but for me, worship is great and I love it. Um, but it's not the be-all and end-all of meeting as a church or being a community of believers together. Um, and to be honest, and this is where the therapy comes in a little bit, um, I've been struggling with that recently. Um, how certain Christian structures and cultures have led to harm for those who are associated with them. And that includes friends and family. Uh, there's been a couple of cases kind of highlighted recently in the New Zealand media. Um, and it's not a new thing. Uh, you know, we've um, it has thrown some light on some more modern day churches where perhaps uh, in the past we've looked at uh, harm that's been caused by churches and we kind of look back and think it's more historical, traditional churches that have caused that harm. Um, but recent events have kind of thrown some light on some of our modern structures and modern cultures. And for me, it's, it's brought about a sense of, of disillusionment and I'm going to be really honest with you this morning. You know, um, it's made me wonder if I want to be a part of it at all at times uh, and associated with it. You know, to be, to be called a Christian, seeing Christian structures perpetuate harm and thinking, do I even want to be associated with that? Um, so, you know, and for me, I look at it and it's structures that are being set up and perpetuated that are very similar to the ones that Jesus advocated tearing down. Don't worry, it's not all going to be negative. Um, and the issue is, is that even after all these years, you know, probably 20-odd years of thinking about this, 
God hasn't provided me with the blueprints for how to do church right. How annoying is that? You'd think that he would. And part of the issue is that we don't have uh, any context for for church in today's day and age uh, from from looking at the Bible. Now, I understand that there are things that we can pick up from the Bible that enable us to do life better and to do church better, for sure. There are there are concepts and, and ways to treat people and ways ways to meet together and, and and ways to do life together that we can extract out of the Bible and out of those contexts and bring them into our our own, which is which is great. But the early church and the modern church are literally worlds apart. You know, our problems and issues and challenges are completely different to theirs and vice versa. Like those thoughts that I have that are different to my CEOs, you know, the, the thoughts that the early church had are, are amazingly different to the challenges and the thoughts that we have in our, in our day and our context. I and mean, it's a time of unprecedented connectedness for us. Back in Paul's time, we read about the journeys that he had to take you know, over the seven seas and through mountains and, and just to visit a few churches and say, hey, how are you going? You know, someone had to deliver a letter that would take months to get there. And often those letters addressed issues. So you can imagine that, say you have an issue starting in a church, it then gets to the point where it becomes a problem, however many days, weeks, months that takes. It then takes weeks, months for a letter or some sort of communication to get to someone like Paul, who is a church overseer. It then takes him time to formulate an answer, write back a letter, uh, and then get it back to them. I mean, this could, this could take ages. Today we do a Zoom call. You know, we have texts, we have emails, we, and that's just if it's inconvenient enough to jump in the car or get on a plane and go and visit someone. You know, we're, we're just totally different worlds. Um, 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, gives instruction to the church about communion. And it says to the early church, don't, when you come together, don't eat all the food before the guys who are traveling three days to get to you get there. That's a very, you know, that's a, that's a problem for them back then. For us, if someone was half an hour late, they might have missed the food, but we can go and get some more down the road, get, pick up a couple more pizzas, no problems. But these are issues that the, the Christian church, the early church was struggling with back then that we don't now. Uh, we have buildings with lights and sound shows, music gear and technology that would blow their minds. The early church were often just looking for somewhere to meet. Someone's home where they could maybe avoid the authorities for a few weeks. You know, the early church were trying to cultivate this bottom-up counterculture which challenged the oppressive powers of the time, um, whereas we have churches working out how to become those powers. Um, so, so the Bible gives us some ways of how to deal with this idea of how do we do church in today's world, in today's context. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't give us nothing, um, but it gives us some. But we're called to be led by the Spirit, not just by the Word. And so it's up to us to struggle with these challenges and with these ideas. And part of it amongst the struggle and disillusionment I've had is a challenge to look within some of my own attitudes and some of my own cynicism. Because for those who know me know that I'm quite a cynical person. <laughs> yes, I recognize that in myself <laughs> um, and some of my own attitudes. And I think with a lot of things in life, when you feel that you're a certain way down a part of a journey, um, 
there's a tendency to look down on those who are not quite as far along in the journey. But that assumes that you are actually further along in the journey. And if by chance you actually are, then maybe you've forgotten where you've come from and maybe you underestimate how far you've got to go. And so that's been part of my my process with this is looking inside and saying, hey, we're... Hello? Oh, you don't want me? Okay. <laughs> um, looking where I am and, and what are my attitudes towards this um, problem I feel, this challenge that I'm trying to work out and, and, and follow the Spirit in. Um, and to be honest, it can lead to pride and arrogance. And I definitely think that's been a part of this for me, is looking at how we're doing churches and the structures and things we've set up and, and looking at them and judging them and being prideful and arrogant about it, that, hey, I know how to do better, even though I don't. And I've been thinking about um, someone like Shane Willard, who is, to me, miles ahead of me in the journey. But he has amazing humility and grace to be able to meet churches with where they are and just create relationship, no matter how differently they may view many areas of Christian faith. You know, he has the grace and the humility to be able to do that. And there was a, um, I'm just going to read you a quote that kind of kicked me up the bum a little bit as well. That's a guy I follow um, called Dante Stewart. He says, am I still a Christian? Yes. Do I like all other Christians? No. Do I think we are the only good faith? No. The older I get, the more I realize Christianity isn't about being in power or being right. And this is the bit that got me. I also refuse to allow the worst of our tradition to rob us of the best we can become. And so my challenge to myself was that I wanted to be positive about church, which was a bit of a, you know, moving in the opposite spirit, all that sort of thing. I wanted to be positive about church, in particular our church, KIC. Um, I know that church is not perfect. You're going to struggle to find one anywhere you go. Um, but in the tradition of my wife's favorite movie, I've decided to do 10 things I like about you. <laughs> and let me be clear, these are things that we may take for granted as being part of Kapiti Impact Church, but know that it's not always the case. These are things that I value about being in church, about being in part of this community, but I know that in other communities, this doesn't always happen and it causes harm and it really gets me and so I want to be positive I'll try not to be negative anymore but I want to be positive about the things that we have in KIC so 10 things are you ready okay number one commitment to the community doesn't mean attendance I like that no one calls me if I happen to miss a Sunday I like that we recognize that life happens uh, it can be busy and messy, and sometimes Sunday mornings just need to be lying around home in your pajamas. I'm not going too deep into these. Don't worry, it's not going to be 10 minutes for every point. Number two, it's okay to, to take breaks from serving. I like that I can take a break from something if I'm entering a busy period for my work or my family. If Florence calls me and says, do you want to preach? And I say, I can't, my work is smashing me for the next four or five months it's fine I don't get rostered on to preach no problems I called Lawrence just recently to take a break from the worship team I mean I've, I had been only playing for about um, <laughs> I think maybe 17 18 years 
something like that. Needed a break. <laughs> um, you know, there might, that, that does often sometimes put pressure on the rest of the team. But it, there is a recognition that mentally or emotionally or physically, it's better for someone to take a break. And that's okay. There's no pressure that if you need a break, have a break. Uh, number three, I like plurality of leadership. <laughs> now, Lawrence and Philip are our pastors and they're our leaders. No problems. You need a leader. Totally. But they're surrounded by elders and trustees who are not just token yes men. They ensure safety for the church when slash if Lawrence decides to go rogue. <laughs> yeah, he's really starting to... <laughs> I liked talking to Lawrence the other day and said, what did I call you, the $6 million man? And Lawrence said that it depends on the generation of person who talks to him as to which figure he gets called. <laughs> so I called him the $6 million man. Current like, millennials call you Iron Man. What, what's the other ones? Uh, Robocop. Robocop for maybe Gen X. Winter Soldier as well. There we go. And it's also great, I think, that we have more than one voice from the front. And I know, and I've heard Lawrence say that he gets weary when it's times when we have seasons when it's just him from the front, that he likes to get different voices. Um, and I'll go into that a little bit, a little bit later. And I also like the fact that each one of you would have met the pastor and had an interaction at least with him. Like I said, it does. <laughs> uh, number five, uh, no, number four. Belonging versus fitting in. I like that you can belong before you believe. And that belonging is more important than fitting in. Uh, this is a quote. Fitting in is becoming who you think you need to be in order to be accepted. Belonging is being your authentic self and knowing that no matter what happens, you belong. And I like that for both within our church and also for our church within our network um, because we're part of a network of church, Acts New Zealand, which, to be honest, our church doesn't look a lot like most of the other Acts churches. And I really respect the fact that Lawrence has allowed ourselves to be true to who we are. And we belong to that network even though we don't fit in, really. And I've seen, I've got friends who come back and have taken over churches and made them look exactly like the other churches. Even though they didn't look like that before. But we have authenticity in who we are. We belong to this network of churches. And even though we don't always possibly agree with the way that things are done, we still belong. But we don't necessarily try to fit in. And that's, that might be different for, for different people. But for me, that's important. And I like that. Um, I think... Someone mentioned this story to me before, um, and it may have been Shane at Shout. Was he talking about the guy who greeted in church? Yeah. So my understanding of the story, and, and you can correct me on some of the details, but there was a guy who came to church, started to attend church, and, and eventually um, got asked to be on the greeting. So he would stand on the door and smile at people as they came in. And he, he was affected by the fact that when he came to church, someone smiled at him. Um, and after a number of years, it transpired he possibly hadn't 
said the magic prayer, didn't necessarily regard himself as a Christian, but he was on the door giving someone a smile every morning. He belonged before he believed. And I don't know whether he did end up believing, and who cares? He belonged. He was part of a community. And number five, and this is probably, you know, I mentioned that um, worship was a, was a key thing for me at the time. This is probably the key thing for me at the, at the moment. So it's number five, right in the middle. The diversity and difference of opinion and belief is welcomed. I like that when I get up here and preach that I get calls and emails and texts that both say they loved what I said and other people who say, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, the writers of the Bible don't agree on a whole heap of stuff. You find st- contradictions in people who believe different things about different subjects within the Bible, so it's okay if we don't too. But the fact that we still journey together, even though we may believe differently about some things. Um, this is an interesting thing. I actually found this twice this week. So Jesus was asked 307 questions in the Bible. He directly answered three. He maybe answered eight. He asked 183 questions. It's almost as if Jesus wasn't interested in giving us answers as much as he was in us growing into people who can make a nuanced decision based on a wide reading of circumstances, a wise reading of circumstances. You know, one of the aspects of modern society is that we desire and we want certainty. And I was speaking to someone the other day who said they came to church to get certainty. They weren't liking how their life was going, so they wanted some certainty around morality and around how to live their life the best way. And so they went to church. And they got that for a time until it didn't work. <laughs> until we realized that we are led by the Spirit and we need to make wise decisions wise and nuanced decisions around a whole bunch of different circumstances. And that we make those decisions and we make those opinions and those beliefs at times, uh, at different times in our lives and different times in our journey, and they'll be different from the people around us. But that doesn't stop us journeying together. And, and one of the things is, unfortunately, and I've seen as part of church, some people haven't appreciated that, and some people have left because they wanted certainty and they wanted defined, this is right, this is wrong, this is black, this is white, this is in, this is out. But I like that we're a church that is okay to live with mystery. Uh, number six, uh, our worship is not a performance. I like that our worship is authentic to who we are, that excellence isn't a benchmark and that anyone can get involved. I like that there are no dress standards for, or expectations to smile and bounce around regardless of how a person is feeling. I like that Andrea can come up here and reintroduce Darlene Check <laughs> this morning. I could hear her in my head as you were singing that song this morning. It was her, I'm sure it was. It was. <laughs> it's not that far back, are you sure? It might, I think <laughs> that we can, Andrea can come up here and bring back 90s, early 2000s worship, that Tim Costley can come up and bring back stuff from the 1800s, <laughs> that Mark can come up here with his keyboard and, and play his nice fancy jiggly tunes, which is lovely, Tim can get up there and, and it's, I just like that. Other churches you go to, there's this desire that Every service has to look the same. The standard has to be the same level because imagine if someone came one week and then the next week it was a little bit off. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> but this morning our drummer pulled out. Oh, get on with it. Um, there have been weeks, I know, when we haven't had a band, and so you stick on a CD or stick on the recordings that we made during COVID. Our worship is not a performance. Number seven, I love our community focus. I like that our church enhances our community by more than just offering a safe place for people to worship. Um, there's practicality in helping people regain dignity and confidence and just have their material needs met. Uh, that we participate in Takun Alam, the restoration of the world, even if that part of the world doesn't have a label on it that says Christian. And it doesn't come with strings attached. And number eight, I love that we care for our church during difficult or unusual times. I love how we look after each other when we're sick or we've had babies or someone has passed away. We support each other in prayer and with food and with practical help. And I like that for us as a community, that the way we love each other, and this is something we can pick up from the Bible, that the way we love each other reflects Christ to the world. So it's important that we do that. And we've had many meals in our place and they've been awesome. Uh, number nine, I love how there's no pressure on money. I like how this church doesn't put pressure on people to give. Or it doesn't even affirm that 10% is a biblical tithe. Because there's a lot of grey around that. And there's a lot more that you can delve into that. Uh, it might be for you. Great. But it's not clear cut. Generosity is more important than a specific money amount within the life of the church. And that generosity may not be in actual money. It can be in time. It can be in talent. It can be in other things. We're called to be generous and give out of all that God has given us. And number 10, um, I like how this church <laughs> allows humor. I like how it lets Mark and Glenn and myself <laughs> have a microphone at times, even though we tell terrible jokes and embarrass our families that I can stand up here on Sunday and do a TV theme tune quiz and no one seems to want to stop me. Well, not that I've been told yet anyway, <laughs> so I'll keep doing it. But I love it. Um, like I was just thinking the other day, isn't it crazy when you know, God made all the animals when he was thinking about a duck? He thought, let's just make a waterproof chicken and give it a kazoo. That's the sort of stuff that, you know. So thank you. For, don't look at me like that, wife. <laughs> like that's a terrible joke. Oh, did you want to hear the joke? I said when God made a duck, he thought, let's make a waterproof chicken and give it a kazoo. Yeah, <laughs> So those are my 10 points. And, and there are other things that I'm sure um, if we had time, I could open up the floor and say, what are some of the things you like about church? And I don't want to put pressure on Lawrence that he can't change any of those things in the future. That's what I like about church right at the moment. Um, and he may think there's nothing I want to change there. He may think, oh, actually, we should do something about that. Maybe that number 10 humor point. <laughs> but those are the things. And so for me... Preparing this message was a bit of therapy. It was a bit like, okay, let's take my eyes off the worst of our tradition and try to not let it rob me of what we can become. And so I wanted to bring out some positive things that I enjoy about church that maybe you do too. Maybe if you're new, you think those things are pretty cool. 
Um, hopefully, you don't think they're pretty dumb and not going to come back again. Um, but hopefully, that it would be an encouragement um, for you that, that this is a pretty cool place. Uh, I have enjoyed my last 17, 18, however many years it's been that I've been here. Uh, and I'm still here because of these things. Uh, some of the things that I see perpetuated in other churches, I, I wouldn't be there uh, because it brings harm to people. And I like the fact that we're a church that is a safe space for anyone. Um, to me, if the way your theology works causes harm to someone, you need to change your theology. That may be controversial to you, but that's my belief. And being a part of this community enables me to work out that belief. And hopefully being a part of this community enables you to work out your beliefs and your opinions and where you are on the journey of God. Yeah. So let's just pray to finish. Um, God, I thank you for community. Lord, I thank you that that has always been at your heart. Lord, you are three in one. Lord, you are a divine dance. Lord, you are not alone. And Lord, we are not either. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be community together um, in the odd ways that that looks, Lord, in the, um, the structure and the, the culture that we're built here as KIC. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the, um, the grace that you've shown us. Lord, we have, we've all made mistakes and, and tripped up on this journey, Lord, but you pick us up and, and keep encouraging us to continue to be all that we can be. Lord, I thank you for the potential that you've put in each one of us. And Lord, the potential you've put in us as a church community as a whole. And I thank you that you take small seeds and you make them something great. And Lord, I just pray that for each one of us individually and as a church, Lord, that you would continue that, that journey with each one of us, that um, moving of each one of us into our potential to be who you've called us to be, Jesus. Amen.